0: Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount+.
1: I'm in a period of emotional people.
0: I saw all the, oh, I don't care crap. A little adventure. Where are you
1: going? I'm
2: going to steal a bird from the Russian Vision Mafia.
0: Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox.
3: Life can hurt, but life is sweet.
0: Little Wing, rated PG-13. May be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount+.
1: Hey everyone, this is David. Welcome back Behind the Velvet Rope. Let's just get right into it today because we are joined by the one, the only Morgan Fairchild and friends, Joey and Alan.
4: So we're back. And with us today is Morgan Fairchild. And thank you. Hello. Hello. <laughs> now, you know, we always start each segment with the guest with the drink that Joey has designed specifically oh. for them. So Joey's going to tell us a little bit about this drink, what it is, what it's called, what's in it, why he's made it, and why we're drinking it so quickly.
5: Yes, this is in <laughs> honor to one of your television series, and I believe it was one of your first series that was yours, was it not? I mean, pretty much, did you go right from Dallas to that, to, to Flamingo Road?
2: Um, not quite. I mean, I did some, but that was the first series. I mean, I was yeah. I was recurring on Dallas, but I mean, I right. guest star on Dallas, and then this, was, and then I did a bunch of other stuff, some TV movies, and other guest appearances. Mork and Mindy, the first year, and stuff like that, and then went to Flamingo, Flamingo Road.
5: Road. Okay, so, but I I was a big fan of Flamingo Road, and of course. Of yours, yay! Thank and you. Philip was like,
3: "Oh, I love her. I love her. I want to be her." <laughs> <laughs> so,
5: uh, <coughs> as a tribute to that and all of that madness, I created the flamingo
2: rose. Oh, thank you. Thank and what you. is it? What's in, it's in it? It's vodka.
5: Yeah, or okay. not?
2: Not mine. <laughs> some, some, some have vodka.
5: Yes, mine does. All of them have vodka Alan has except Morgan. Double vodka. <laughs> <laughs> and you have vodka. Gin, rum, and no, I'm only kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh and it's uh, pomegranate <laughs> juice, um, a little guava, and some fresh pineapple juice, and then oranges, apples, and pineapple as your garnish.
2: So. And it is That's lovely. Good. It's good. It love it has, is there soda
5: or something in it? Uh, just a dash of, of club. The oh, okay. Yeah, yeah just exactly. to give it a little Here's fizz.
4: This. Yeah, it's,
3: it's great like even without, without the now.
1: booze. Even without the booze, right? Yes. Yeah, either way. <laughs> It'll keep one leg up. Uh-huh. <laughs> so you, it looks like a flamingo. You were a big fan of Flamingo Road, that I know. I have to say, I am. I think Dallas is one of the best TV shows that has ever existed in the history of TV. I have a question for you. Yes, I mean this. If you if you deep dive like online, you know, because there are a lot of Dallas fans. <clears throat> you know, you were the original Jenna Wade. I know. Were you, because then you did Flamingo Road, and then when Flamingo Road ended, that's when they decided to, like, really bring the character of Jenna Wade back, and that's when Priscilla Presley was cast. Like, were you, like, set the record straight. Were you asked to play Jenna Wade after Flamingo Road? Like, yes. It, you were. Yes. And you just wanted to pursue other things. You...
2: Well, uh, two things. Number one, I had a deal at that time uh, to produce my own show. Uh, with a producing partner and we had a writer working on a script and it was for a different network and it would have been my own show and I would have been a producer and so that was one reason and uh the second was I, you know, I, I would, what I didn't want to get typecast as being on mm. those big cast shows, uh-huh. the soaps and stuff. I'd done that one, and I didn't want to really do another one. Um, and I, uh, so I was kind of worried about that, and also, you know, just stupid me. I mean, it had already been on the air for so long. Who knew it would run so much longer? You know, you're thinking I'm coming in at the end of this thing, yeah, sure. and I've got my own production deal over here, which didn't turn out to work out. But you know, who knew at the time? You know, so when they came with the offer that was that was what i was faced with of my own production deal or going back and playing a character that i'd already played but toward the end of a run of a show right on a
4: show you thought was going to be off you thought it would be lucky to last another season
2: well it had already been on for several That's years I mean. and yeah. you know back in the what day the i mean seven years was a big run yeah. and right. who knew it was going to go on forever yeah, that makes that's kind of everybody's <coughs>
5: dream. If we can get through seven years, we're we're golden.
2: Yeah.
4: Well, yeah. If they
5: can get through three seasons now. They're in profit.
2: that's, <laughs> that's <Yeah>. The goal
5: <laughs> is to get through. Yeah, three but then, seasons. but then your 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 mm-hmm. seasons were how many episodes back then? Thirteen.
2: No, no we, 20, did, we did yeah. 26.
5: Yeah, but
4: didn't they cut that into two seasons, the spring and the fall season? No, oh, back wow.
2: then, no, exactly. back in ye olde days, yep. um, they, they did 26. Mostly, usually a show would be 23 or so. We did 26 because you couldn't run the soap operas in reruns mm-hmm. the same year. They just didn't play well because everybody knew what was going to happen. Right. So they did extra shows. It was an extra long yep. season right. for As the even, soaps.
5: Even with my dad in Rockford, there were 26 episodes.
3: Oh, okay. Right, but
4: I thought that they always took that break, or they split them in half. We didn't. And then,
1: no, huh, they didn't okay. It. No, I feel. Right. Well, I <coughs> never
4: watched Dallas, so I never even went there. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't actually watch any of them until Dynasty came along, and only because it had that huge following, and it was sort of it swept through UCLA, and everybody was stopping classes and doing to watch it at night. Yeah. So I got hooked that way. And you're so loyal to Joan. But I didn't know her then. <laughs> <laughs> but you <she>
5: wanted to. <laughs> you know, <laughs> speaking of loyalty, you know, this is an interesting thing. Um, there was a magazine called One Woman. Yeah. And that, their day Oh, I would have brought one. I
2: would have brought one if I'd oh? known you were going to talk about it.
5: And that was completely dedicated to you.
2: Yeah, yeah. It was, it was a concept it was a concept these people came up with the publishers came up with to do a whole magazine on one woman each month mm-hmm. it didn't last very long um and um and have six different photographers shoot the same woman and see what kind of different looks and everything they could come up with so it was oh, great cool. fun wow. i got to work with david bailey who you know the sure. you know the hippest uh, photographer in the world at that point uh-huh. you know the sort of um, progenitor for, for uh, Blow Up, the yeah, movie Blow yeah. Up, which young people won't know what that is, but it was terribly hip at the time. Mm-hmm. And um, and George Harrell. I got to work with George Harrell. Oh, wow. And for those who don't know, George Harrell was the just godfather of movie magic and, and shot all of the stars at MGM and made everybody from Garbo to Dietrich to Jean oh, yeah. Harlow to look shadows. look like yeah. goddesses. Oh, yeah. So And me. And, <laughs> did you and see you the, the, photo, the,
5: did the photo the Harrell photo with that you? I did? No. So uh, I That represent- was back in thirty two, wasn't
2: it?
4: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh no, I think merch earlier. <laughs> um, no, I represented Mark Vieira. Yeah. Mark Vieira is a big sort of he's, you know, photographer and a Hollywood fact guy. Yeah, yeah. And he actually took over the Harrell Studios down off of the off of uh, that lake. What's that lake downtown that, with the big park around it? You know which one I'm talking MacArthur, about. MacArthur. Yeah. MacArthur Park. Oh yeah, yeah. And the Harrell's lake. studio is oh, yeah. there, mm-hmm. and he has the original camera that Harrell used and the lens. Well, so, that was
2: the thing. He was using this camera from 1920s. So you you slide a glass frame into yeah. it, and then you have to hold perfectly still for 10 seconds while they get the picture. Yeah, and wow. then he corrected
4: wow. it. You know, he did yeah. all the corrections with lead pencil. Yeah, yeah. Uh, right so on it's the like negative. An etching almost on the. It's yeah. very cool. Well, you've seen the photos, yeah, those yeah, black and white cool. photos. I yeah. want
2: to get copies of these photos that Herrell did of me. He promised me copies of them, and it was supposed to be part of my deal with the magazine, but then I didn't really get them. I'm not sure how oh, to get I them now. You have the stuff. I'm not sure how to get them now. I
4: think, well, somebody has his estate of.
2: Yeah, what I just refs, need to find out so, who. Yeah, yeah. But he was so lovely. Fans. He was such a lovely gentleman. He was so elderly. He was like 90 years old. And they said, you know, he's not going to work past six because he's 90 years old or whatever. And so so I said, okay, great. You know. And so we worked all day. And then it got to be six and then 6.30. And I, you know, I said, I thought he didn't want to work past six. And they, they said, no, he loves working with you. You're like the old stars. <laughs> you, know? uh, yeah. you understand the camera. And he loves working with you. So I was very flattered to hear that from George Harrell who oh, yeah, worked with everybody. Body, yeah. you know and he
4: gave everybody that skin you know that fluorescence yeah. Sort of yeah yeah luminescent yeah. skin. well
2: he made all the mgm stars look like goddesses yeah. i mean it was the no, beginning of the film photo, industry i looked
4: at it and it was the first time i ever saw a photo of myself and i said you know i rather like it. yeah
2: <laughs> i look pretty good <laughs> and the right there, they take it all out
5: with lead it's unbelievable how they do it yeah so wow. it was quite interesting well i definitely want to copy of that magazine
2: Oh, you yeah, know, I've got him at home. I would have brought him if yeah. I'd known you wanted to talk about oh, it. Oh, yeah,
5: for sure. No. Well, Philip made me promise the to bring it up to you because he still has the uh, issue. That he bought. oh oh great He's like, oh, I,
2: please tell her well'll so have you artistically sign that one. it was a very interesting concept uh-huh. and so to get to work with each of these really famous really uh, Mario Casilli and you know I mean I worked with all these different photographers who were really brilliant in their own right uh, and having coming up with concepts of how to shoot me and what to do and you know uh, some of them were bizarre and some of them you know like David Bailey put me on the front of a I think on the hood of a of a 1956 Thunderbird in a waitress's uniform in front of tiny nailers, and you know, in the middle of the day, and I'm like I'm you know, and I and the tour buses are going by trying to look up my dress, and I'm you know, and I'm like lying on this thing, and the sun is like beating, beating, beating on your face, and I you know I can't look at it. David keeps saying, "Look up, darling, look up, baby." He kept calling me baby. Look up, baby. Look up. You know, and I and I and I and and I'm like I said, and I can't hear the camera, and I'm saying, "Are you shooting?" And I look over and he's got, he forgot he, one of his cameras he goes to the car to get <laughs> and, it, and sitting leaves sitting me wood? staring in the sun <laughs> with tourists <laughs> looking up my dress Tiny Nailers
5: <laughs>
2: yeah it's <laughs> not there anymore for people yeah. who don't know Tiny Nailers was a very well known kind of drive in like old fashioned like drive in like out shop. of happy days yeah yeah, was yeah, happy, yeah. it was like a male yeah like kind of you'd pull thing. in and the waitress would come out and, you know and I'm done do the waitress costume you know we'd come out and take your order and then bring your food to the car uh-huh. that's yeah. funny
1: I've been so honest with you guys over the past year about my struggle with my weight, and I'll admit it, for me, eating is an emotional experience. When I get stressed out and whatever with this job, I turn to food for comfort. And that's why when I heard of Noom, it made so much sense to me because Noom helps manage weight through a psychology-based approach. They understand that a lot of us eat for emotional needs. So many weight loss programs that I tried focused on what I eat, but Noom is using science to help me understand why I eat. Noom uses science and personalization so you can manage your weight for the long term. Noom's psychology-based approach helps you build better habits and behaviors that are easy Easier to maintain. The best part, you decide how Noom fits into your life, not the other way around. Based on a sample of 4,272 Noomers, 98% say Noom helps change their habits and behaviors for good. How awesome is that? Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com to sign up for your trial today. Now that we're in the fall heading into the winter, I have one word for you, cashmere. Now, I know you all think, oh my god, I can't afford cashmere. Well, you can, thanks to Quince. The cashmere at Quince isn't only nice, it isn't only high-end, it's actually inexpensive. I got a whole Quince cashmere tracksuit for $150. Quince is my go-to spot for quiet luxury without paying luxury prices. They have so much more than just cashmere, though silk skirts, Italian leather bags, 14 karat gold jewelry, all starting at $30. Their stuff is so classic and timeless that it never goes out of fashion. You can wear their stuff for many seasons and they have baby and kids and travel. There's so many options at Quince. Men's, women's. So upgrade your closet with Quince. Right now, go to Quince.com slash velvet rope to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E.com slash velvet rope for free shipping and 365 day returns quince.com slash velvet rope you guys need to step into a world of non-stop action on DraftKings casino play classics like blackjack roulette and slots Plus, enjoy exclusive games you can't find anywhere. Right now, new customers can get a deposit match of up to $100 in casino credits when you deposit $5 or more. Download the DraftKings Casino app now. Sign up with promo code VELVET and new customers get a deposit match of up to $100 in casino credits when you deposit $5 or more. Only on DraftKings Casino with promo code VELVET. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania. West Virginia. Please play responsibly in partnership with Hollywood Casino at Charlestown Races in West Virginia. All games regulated by the West Virginia Lottery. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 800 789 7777 or visit ccpg.org 21 or over physically present in connecticut michigan new jersey pennsylvania west virginia only void in ontario one per opted in new customer minimum deposit five dollars max match $100 in casino credit which require one playthrough within seven days see terms at casino.draftkings.com slash players choice restrictions apply when you pass up a part like that or just other parts like you work so much in your career like are you you know just as an actress like do you then look back you know like when someone like a fella presley has like a five-year run or just other parts you might have passed up or do you say you know everything happens for a reason, or do you, like? and has there ever been a part that you've passed up where you're saying, man, I wish I said yes to that?
2: Well, you know, I'm, I'm very good, being an actor who's been doing this since I was 10, mm-hmm. I've kind of really trained myself to not look back with regret. You know, you make decisions in the moment, and then you live with them. That's what you do. And, um, you know, I, I might have made a different decision if I'd known the show was going to go that much longer, Um, But, you know, when I talked to them, uh, to Lorimar, who were also producers at Flamingo Road, and I didn't know, they didn't really know what they were going to do with her. And that was a big fear is having come off a show where you came out a star and going into a show that's already established with a bunch of people who've already come off as a star, what are they gonna do with you? And are they gonna give you something interesting to do or are you just gonna kinda be pretty wallpaper, you know, in cute right. dresses? You know? yeah. So, um, and then I had my own production deal, which I thought we were going I was gonna own my own show, so that was a big contributing factor. Totally. <clears throat> Now,
5: Flamingo Road was uh, a film with Joan Crawford, wasn't it yeah. originally? Yeah. yeah so yeah. they made that into that. Interesting. Yeah. And your character, do you remember her name on the show? Uh,
2: Constance, Constance Feldon. Yeah, Constance Carlisle. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yes. Constance
5: Carlisle. Yeah, Constance Carlisle. Well, yeah. Yeah. I have to revisit that one. That That was a good show. <laughs>
2: It was a fun show, and it was one of those things, again, because it was the early days of the soaps. And so when we started shooting, you know, we'd done a two-hour movie pilot. And and then we started shooting, and they were still building the sets over at Warner Brothers. So they kept shoot giving me scenes in my bedroom because they didn't have any other sets finished. <laughs> and, so, and so I'm getting bored sitting in negligees all the time. So I started – I said, guys, I'm going to bring – so I started bringing my little teddies and my little cute sexy stuff and corsets and stuff. And, you know, and so I kind of started this whole sexy lingerie thing mm-hmm. in – in the soap in the operas soaps, because it was yeah. my uh-huh. stuff that I just brought in because I was bored with the negligee's because we didn't have a set finished, <laughs> you know. That's great. Wow.
5: But, you know, you, you always had a sense, like a tongue-in-cheek sort of sense of humor when it came to those vixen sexy roles. You never took it to that place where it was so serious. You always had a, didn't you look at I think you have to little, have fun. I think do. you have to have fun with I it. I agree. I
2: okay. mean, that was the thing. Well, I that, mean,
5: was made it even, that made you even sexier.
2: Well thank you You're welcome Thank you But the thing was You know when I'm doing the pilot It was a two hour movie Of a Joan Crawford movie And mm-hmm. I was not the Joan Crawford character
5: Right That and, was Lane Bellamy I think yeah, her character uh,
2: was. Yeah And I, and I just uh, was uh, there to get in the way Of the two star-crossed lovers Because he happened to be married to me uh, for my yeah. money. And so, uh, you know, and, but you know, I just chewed the scenery through the whole thing. And I didn't have all that much to do in the pilot, but it kind of came off. You know, We went to the upfronts where they announced the new shows and everybody's saying, that's the hot blonde this year. And it's like, I, what, me? You know, yeah, I, yeah, all yeah, I did yeah. was to chew the scenery in this thing. Yeah. <laughs> like what did you know. Well, it's like when I did Dallas. Um, again, you know, that show was supposed to be Larry. Uh, I mean, it was supposed to be Pam and Bobby and yeah yeah, and it was because Larry was funny Larry was a funny bad guy I was a funny bad girl and that people like that they wait to see what you're going to say if you're a wise ass and so I ad-libbed a lot of my stuff and wise ass stuff and ad-libbed a lot of stuff. It's less
5: intimidating yeah yeah and
2: people liked it they thought it was funny but Larry the same thing we had a scene together in that episode that I did with Bobby's girlfriend and you know and he and I are just circling each other (laughs) you know we just had a great Uh time but it was so funny because when we started shooting the show wasn't in the air yet and all the actors were uh, a lot of the actors were doing bad southern accents for texas and we're shooting in dallas and i'm from dallas and so the producer said you know larry and morgan are the only two who are native texans go over and talk to them and let them t- show you this accent so you'd have people come up with their script and say will you just say these lines in texican <laughs> for me so texican so i can hear it <laughs> yeah, funny.
4: Texican. you're from um, <clears throat> texas no <clears throat> yeah, yeah. How interesting, because one of the things we were going to talk about is you're very politically involved.
2: Oh, yes, yes.
4: And, and um, But you must have family in Texas. I do. And do you get along with your Texas family?
2: I do. I, <laughs> You know, I have uh, my sister is more liberal, as am I, uh-huh. and, uh, and then I have other cousins and people who are much more conservative, and, you know, we just don't talk politics, right. you know. I mean, I've grown up with these people. I know them my whole life. I'm not right. going to cut them off because we disagree no, exactly. on politics. No, of course. Exactly. Yeah, yeah.
5: <clears throat> yeah, I feel the same.
2: Yeah. yeah. Although, you know, you look at, I mean, I don't think
1: you should ever call out family, but look at all those people that did. Like, a lot of people lost friendships over politics. And I, I, I'm like you. I'm just like, I, we don't need to talk about this. Well,
2: I think it depends <clears throat> on how you handle it. And when yeah. you know that you disagree... But there are so many other wonderful qualities about the person that you've known your whole Mm -hmm. life. Um, All of us have chosen not to sever relationships. Obviously, some families didn't make that decision. And I feel bad for them, too. But you have to lose people out of your life because of politics. Well, that's the most important
4: note here is that we never used to do that in politics.
2: Yeah, You
4: always knew that you had certain neighbors or friends that maybe were of the other party. And it never seemed to get in the way because it didn't seem to be so front and center, the politics. Yeah. And now, you know, I mean, first of all, the Internet has just feels like everybody can yell at each other, right? But, but, you know, now they don't want to get along with a person just because they're the opposite party. They don't know anything about them other than the, the, the other party, and they nor, instantly hate and them. And nor
5: they, do yeah. they know really that much about the, the politics that <laughs> of their own. Of their own, really yeah, but also, about. Yeah. you know, there, there was something <laughs> called conversations, and you could leave a conversation not agreeing with the conversation right. or with the person you're having the conversation with, but you can respect the person mm-hmm. during and after, and at least come away with, you know what, it's okay, I, I think a little <clears throat> bit differently, but let's go out for a drink later. I mean, now it's like you, you want to burn their house down, what, 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 where did yeah. we go wrong?
4: No, it's gotten very, very polarized for some reason. Yeah.
3: Well, yeah, and
4: that I
5: have my opinion.
4: There was one reason in particular. Combing, which I know we want to talk to you about. Yeah, okay. Because you have, well, <clears throat> and you can correct me because it's been a while, but you were one of the first people in Hollywood to jump in when HIV and AIDS sort of became something that nobody knew what it was. You were one of the early birds to jump in there and say, we need to do something about this.
2: I think I was the earliest. Mm -hmm. I mean, that would go public. Right. Um, But uh, because, you know, I'm just this weird science nerd. I wanted to be a doctor, a paleontologist when I was a kid. And I got, people kept paying me to act, you know. And then I got married young and didn't get to finish college and stuff, you know. Did you ever act like a doctor? uh, (laughs) They won't ever cast me that way. I I come from a family of attorneys. My uncle was a judge. My cousin prosecuted for the justice department i grew up on that stuff too that nobody ever cast me as an attorney um and i can actually pronounce the words um but it's you know it it was kind of funny because i do have these odd hobbies and one of my hobbies because i wanted to be a doctor is emerging viruses and epidemiology and so i'm always following new breaking viruses so when this one the first time i noticed this one it was like the new york times there was a little blurb like literally this big um you know like five sentences about this um uh, Kaposi sarcoma in New York, right. and and uh, in in young men, and I thought, well, that's odd. And then there were uh, 13 cases of pneumocystis pneumonia in San Francisco, and I thought, well, that's odd. And then it came out that they were all in gay men. Mm. And and the capacities is usually something you only see in elderly men of Mediterranean extract, not in young men. So I'm thinking there's something new out there. So everything I would see that I thought related mm-hmm. to that, I would just read, and I would learn, and read, and learn. And um, so when uh, when AIDS came along, when Rock Hudson got sick, I had been Rock's date to um, some lifetime achievement award about six months before he started on Dynasty. Mm. And of course, everybody in town knew Rock was gay. It's just uh, the American public didn't know Rock Rock, was gay, but everybody knew Rock was gay. And so, um, when I heard he wasn't looking well, I knew exactly what it was. Mm -hmm. Um, And such a lovely, lovely man, you know, wonderful man. And so he, um, so suddenly people are asking, you know, basically, people are coining you on the, on Rodeo Drive, saying, "Are you ever going to kiss anybody again?" After Linda Evans kissed Rock on Dallas, I no, mean, on no, Dynasty, and Dynasty. and you know, and no. so suddenly I'm you know being asked, and, and and I actually can talk about the virus. And so I was like, I was on Falcon Crest, I was on the set, and it was they were having the life, uh, the first um, um, commitment to life. Award. Rock was still alive, Mm -hmm. and it it would later turn into the Elizabeth Taylor Foundation and all of that, Amphar, but it was the first one. And um, I suddenly get a phone call from Ted Koppel, from nightline on uh, on the set of Fla- falcon crest and saying you know uh, we're doing a panel show tonight and we're doing a, a, a whole thing on aids and i said oh fabulous you know we need to get the word out and um he said i hear you know more about it than anybody in town and i said well, i don't know about that but you know but he said well here's the thing um we want to do this panel we have uh, he named a lady who was a gossip columnist who i knew would go with the fear mentality and we have um this doctor their staff doctor." And we have an, an, I won't name, big celebrity uh, star, uh, but the celebrity is holding us up with wants a single. They don't want to be on a panel. They want by themselves. And he says, I don't want to do that. I want a panel. And I said, well, listen, if you can get so-and-so, great. I mean, you know, but... um, You know, my problem is I'm still at work Mm -hmm. and it's a black tie event and I don't have my gown here and I don't even know if I'll be able to make it. And so they called back and said, "Okay, they're holding us up. So we want to go with the panel. We'll go get your gown. So they go over and get my gown at my house, pick me up. I'm changing into my evening gown in the backseat of the limo, swooshing down the freeway to the hills of the Biltmore downtown and get down there. And I I, uh, walk in and... um, and do this uh, live thing for them in a storage closet with the Ajax behind me and the mops with the tarp over it. <laughs> in and, an know, evening gown. Yeah, in an evening gown. Well, I'm at the Black Tie event. I've got to yeah. go on in. And, you know, with a little, <laughs> the little first satellite feed I'd ever done, it was brand-new technology. then. was this little thing in my ear. There's no monitors. It's just a camera, so I can't see anybody else, which is kind of disorienting. And just this little thing, and I'm kind of deaf, so I'm not even sure if I'm hearing it right. You know. <laughs> And so at one point they said, um, can you get it from kissing? And so I said, well, uh, you know, no evidence of that yet, but the virus this one is most closely tracking is hepatitis B in some studies they've done in in San Francisco, and they've just isolated uh, hepatitis B in saliva. Odds are this one, but it may not be communicable that way. So he turns and he says to the staff, doctor, doctor, is that true? And the doctor says, no, that's not true. Well, I'm not going to argue with an MD on national television, you know, Idiot Blonde. And so, uh, but the next day they all called me and one of the producers told me later that they got up the air and this doctor was so put out that this Hollywood blonde had thought she knew something. They went out and checked and found out my research was right.
0: Ah, mm, the first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy.
1: You know, I'm surrounded by dogs here in my Hamptons condo complex, and they're so cute and I love them. But what I didn't know, I was talking to a neighbor the other day and she was telling me, you know, maintaining a healthy dog can be really complicated. She was talking to me about joint discomfort, bad odor, lack of energy. So what separates a healthy dog from an unhealthy dog? I had no idea, but my neighbor turned me on to Dr. Marty Goldstein. He's one of America's most renowned holistic vets. And what I learned is that there's one potentially dangerous substance that you should stop feeding your dog e immediately. If your dog's been feeling tired or not having the energy it's used to, this number one compound could be the reason. Many dog food manufacturers have this substance in their dog foods, and it's one that most dogs consume on a daily basis. Now, Dr. Marty was actually dubbed the miracle worker by Forbes magazine because of this one simple change he made to help support dogs' overall health. The good news is this change can be easily done in one simple step from your own home. Because after years of research, Dr. Marty has decided to release an informative video to the public about which foods you should stop feeding your dog. Go to www.dogfoodexposed.com slash velvet and find out for yourself. That's www.dogfoodexposed.com slash velvet. You guys know that looking younger than my age is very important to me. I'm sorry, I don't like the wrinkles on my face. No, look, I've been told my whole life that wrinkle creams were the easiest way to look younger, and I've tried everything on the market. And nothing really has seemed to work for me. Now that I'm here in LA, I discovered this great doctor, Dr. John Leakey. He's a world-renowned Beverly Hills beauty expert. And he's told me, of course, David, most wrinkle fillers on the market are nothing but glorified moisturizers. He was telling me they could hardly make a dent on your appearance, and actually some could be harmful to your skin. Well, he's come up with a revolutionary anti-aging breakthrough. He says it's almost like Photoshop for your face. In light of this amazing breakthrough, Dr. Lakey has released a step-by-step video to the public where he outlines exactly how to do this simple solution from home. Once you watch this, you're actually going to be mad about how easy it is to visibly erase the wrinkles from view. I don't understand how it works, but I really don't care. <laughs> the results are great. It's like, thank you. So listen, you can find out more about this yourself. Go to BHMD1 dot com slash velvet. That's bhmd1.com slash velvet. And so they
2: called wow. me back the next day and apologized. And then from then on I was the go to person for AIDS on on Nightline. And so That's like wow. the first Town Hall Nightline ever did it was like five hours with a bunch of congressmen, some doctors and me talking about AIDS and, you know, did a bunch of, I mean Barbara Walter specials, you know, all kinds of TV specials, everything you always wanted to know about AIDS, opened the first AIDS Veterans wing in New York, um, was there for the unveiling of the first quill, testified before Congress to uh, get funding for AIDS. So at that point, I was working a lot with Dr. Fauci, mm-hmm. who was young and new in the job, and, um, and, and uh, C. Everett Koop, who was the uh-huh. Surgeon General at the time, uh, who was wonderful. You know, I think, I think Ronald Reagan had appointed him Surgeon General because he was a pediatric surgeon and he was anti-abortion. Mm-hmm. But when AIDS came along, he stepped up, and he made a huge difference. And, you know, people in this country should be very grateful to him and to Dr. Fauci because mm-hmm. really saved a lot of lives. And, and, and Matilda tried...
5: Krim, I think she
2: was. Well, little... Matilda Krim, yes, but later. I'm just talking, yeah. I'm talking about the sort of political side sure. of it. Yeah. But in that whole time, you know, I never heard Fauci say I mean, Fauci say a word about politics. I mean, he never right. mentioned Reagan, never said a word about politics. Even when we were testifying before Congress, you know, it's just money for funding, money for funding. We got to figure out what this right. is. Right. You know, so I hate seeing him vilified now. Uh, yeah, I do too. You yeah, know, course. over COVID yeah. because he is he's not trying
4: a, to help people and then everybody's on top of uh, him. Well, you know, he's a wonderful Nobody wonder, has right? all the answers but he's trying to help you and then everybody's just blasting
5: him like they know something. Well, again, they make it not what it's about. They Make it what they want it to be about. Yeah, they made it right. about politics rather yep. than their health.
4: Exactly. Yeah,
2: and he's a total mensch. And as far as I ever knew, even in very difficult, trying emergency situations, totally apolitical. Never heard him say a word about politics. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So just wants to save lives. Yeah. <laughs> Who knew? I, I can, yeah. Tell, yeah. What's yeah. I. I can <laughs> tell what's I
4: can tell what you're interested in by your Twitter. I oh. can see because <laughs> you send out things that you find interesting or that you think are are going to enlighten somebody, and you tweet them. So I, I get Oh, do you a lot follow me on Twitter? Mm-hmm.
2: Oh, I need to follow you on Twitter. I didn't know you followed me on Twitter. Yeah, of course you know. I do. Oh, I've got to go find you. Well, you know that's where thing- I get
4: a lot of my because you do a lot of science stuff. I do, and uh, so I, that's where I get a lot of my information. Things that I wouldn't normally pick out to read. That might interest me, but they—I see them on your Twitter. I'm like, oh, I'm and you get this one. Well, okay. correct
5: you. information. Correct
4: information. Well, that's—it's very important.
2: When I when I first got on Twitter, you know, uh, people were saying, "Oh, you got to be on Twitter because they cast that way now." You know, it's like, and I'm thinking, I don't. Everybody posts what they had for breakfast. I don't care what they had for, and yeah. I don't want you to know what I had for breakfast, and I don't care. Um, you know, so I thought, what am I going to tweet about? But you know, one of my other weird hobbies is foreign policy and counterterrorism, and I've followed terrorist groups since the 70s, and so. Uh, at that particular time, you know, a few years back. uh, I, you know, so I just started posting things from my, you know, counterterrorism guys. And um, so I got a big following in counterterrorism (laughs) groups because because that's I'm interested in that. I I just I'm just going to post what I'm interested in, and if people want to follow it, it's fine. And then you know with science, I do paleontology, I do archaeology, I do archaeology, I do all these different kinds of sciences and medicine. And then when COVID hit, you know especially um, because there was so much confusion about it, it was very odd because Trump had and and not this is not political, just as Trump had pulled the, um, uh, the observers out of China when he first got in. And so we didn't really have people on the ground observing what was going on with the medical stuff to report back. So I'm wow. hearing... This new virus from my counter intel friends, and so um, so I knew. I mean, I bought toilet paper and all this stuff way ahead of time, and I I knew it was. (laughs) Oh, you're the one. I knew it was coming. (laughs) Um, I mean, I knew it was coming, and it's so funny because I was supposed to. uh, One of my uh, doctor friends, you know, surgeon actually, and uh, we'd been talking about having lunch, and he called up and said, "Okay, you know, I'm going to be free. I don't have to do surgery. You know, next Monday, you know, let's 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 go have lunch." And I said, "Oh, we're going to be shut down by Monday." He said, "What are you talking about?" I said, "There's a new virus." He says, "What?" you talking about? I said, we'll be shut down by Monday. We were shut down by Monday. Mm-hmm. So wow. <laughs> it's like...
4: Yeah, I think we went um, home on a Thursday or a Friday, and that was that. The 17th of March, I think it was, or the 11th. Yeah. I can't remember which. Yeah. And
5: I was so paranoid. I was so scared. Well, well, we, we I thought it was the end together. of the
2: world. We, we I know you guys were traveling. And, I was like, well, oh my we God, traveling. <laughs> went to, The four of us went to
4: my place uh, We went Miami, to his place in And Miami. we watched the news there for a week to sort of we let drove figure out what they
5: were doing. We drove all the way to no, and then we went. Oh, we drove all the way to Oregon.
3: That was later. That, that was the later.
5: That was later <laughs> in the summer. Yeah, but we.
2: Instantly I know. Went I kept seeing you guys traveling, week. and I'm thinking, oh my God, I hope they're okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
5: yeah. We we tested, and we just all stayed together. Yeah. And then yeah. yeah. I didn't know you traveled. Yeah, yeah, we yeah traveled yeah. As a, to
4: the four of us, we yeah. traveled everywhere together, and then we just but we stayed the four of us. <laughs> mm-hmm, just the four of us. We had dinner like
5: three times a week together.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and then what
5: I do, Andrew and I redid our. uh townhouse so we could have the deck so our friends that were alone didn't have partners or didn't have pets or whatever we were, were ter- you know were terrified had nowhere to go so we set it up where we did the distancing so we could be outside and they had we can they could be around people They can have mm-hmm. dinner with us or lunch or yeah, talk just and feel comfortable yeah just sitting <laughs> on that side and we're on that side but at least we all felt safe and none of us got it none of us we were got really, it. really
2: lucky
1: yeah, I haven't had it, eight. but I'm nope. uber careful. I haven't had it yeah. either. I've, I've had it
2: twice, but I was fine both all times, knock on wood. Oh, that's yeah. good, because I have so many friends that are going through hell with lung COVID. I have mm. one friend who's waiting for a kidney transplant because wow. of lung COVID. Oh. Wow. You know, I don't know if she'll ever be able to work again, you know. So I, I just that's what I'm worried about. At this point, you know, people say, Oh, it's just the sniffles, oh no, yeah. It's not. But it's no, the I long know. COVID it's not I'm not scared of. Person where it's not, the and sniffles. then also yeah. now and,
5: and you can you can corroborate this, mm-hmm. but if they say that now people think, okay, when you get the second time it's less it, it has it does more damage the second time.
2: Every time you get it, it ramps it affects, up it ramps mm-hmm. up your chance of getting long COVID. But also they're seeing that it can also as they say, warp your immune system and um, shut down part of the immune system. Wow. It, it exhausts your immune system. They have one called T cell exhaustion, where it can exhaust your your uh, immune system. So you're not fighting anything anymore. Well, sometimes, yeah. Mm-hmm. People then they fall prey to other infections other things, because yeah. their immune system is weakened. So, are wow. fans of yours that follow you on Twitter? Are they shocked when they, you know, like
1: I I knew because Joey told me, but like, are they shocked when they realize, you know, these are your passions, like science and. some
2: of them are Um, you know it's kind of weird because like I said when I got on Twitter I didn't know what I'd talk about so I just tweet articles that I think are interesting and I'm kind of what they call an aggregator I don't say a lot Uh, I I, if people talk to me I talk back but I don't I'm not always like pushing my opinion or pushing this or saying anything but I I tweet things I think people either should know or might be interested in Uh and and you know like you might be interested in this gothic. The Cathedral, or you might be interested in what's happening in Mauritius, or you might be interested in whatever, you know, Ebola outbreak in Africa. Um, I'm I'm interested in those things. But if you're not, just keep scrolling. And so, but it's gotten now to where I have people saying, you know, I get all my news from you because you always tweet things I never see in my paper anymore. And I, from parts of the world I don't know about. And so I get all my news from you. But especially during COVID, I felt kind of a moral obligation, as I did during AIDS, to get reality out there, how you do and don't get it and, you know, what the repercussions are and things like that. So I, I felt the moral obligation, again, to to just get information out that people could rely on. I well, mean, can I, we wow. do the Morgan Hour. Yeah, I will, yes, I will switch from CNN
5: <laughs> I won't even bother with MSNBC I'll come right over to you every
2: day <laughs> Oh thanks honey It's
5: <laughs> Morgan
1: wow. Hour
4: um, David I, I, You want to ask about Roseanne and I'm going to let you do that because then I have some follow up With that that I want to ask Yeah
1: I wanted to quickly just ask about Roseanne and friends <laughs> You know Roseanne I mean to me listen it was an iconic part But I mean it really was ahead of its time You know I mean we have Sandra Bernhardt, mm-hmm. who's playing a lesbian on, on a major show, which is one thing, but, you know, you never really met the gay or lesbian mm-hmm. person's, you know, significant other. Like, I mean, was it? Did you feel that in the time? And, like, I know hindsight's 20 Well, you know,
2: they, they called and offered it to me, and my agent was kind of on the fence about whether I should do it because, really, a lipstick le- lesbian had never been done. And, no, not really. Uh, yeah, and so... Um, y- I am just this weird person that I like doing iconoclastic things. Mm-hmm. I don't like doing the safe thing. I like doing things that are going to shock people or make them think about something or make them look at you a different way. And so I said yes. And I, I read the script, and it's like this whole first episode of the arc. You know, Sandra's talking about her new girlfriend, a new girlfriend. And, and I knew that when they opened the door and Morgan Fairchild was standing there, <laughs> it was going to be the last thing anybody expected. Right.
5: <laughs> and, the, and that would be... Uh, the epitome of lipstick, and then you just yeah. made her into lesbian, Yeah, you're yeah. the epitome of lipstick. Yeah, so kind. I yeah. I just
2: thought, I thought it was funny. I thought it was eye-opening. I thought it was a chance to create a discussion um, in society, you know, because it was a very hot show, and I knew it would be water-cooler talk, you know? So I thought it was a good chance to open up a discussion, and, and, and it was funny.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And, yeah,
1: very. And what your team said, no, don't do this because, what, it was a
2: lesbian yeah because it was a lesbian yeah they they thought that it was too controversial um but you know listen
3: i may have lost a tv
2: show but i i know i lost jobs because of my aids work i mean i've been told by casting people that my name would come up in the room and people would say oh she's too controversial with all that AIDS stuff i mean i lost work because of it but it's the best thing i ever did with my life i mean i i helped save lives you know it's more important than several jobs i lost and by the way thank you Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> no, thank you. That,
5: that was probably the worst. You know, we forget about it. it. It still exists. People don't talk about it or they just think, oh, we'll take prep or we'll do this or, you know, and they, they still don't realize. And that was the hardest time that I've ever been through. And as a young man, Alan and I, we, we've known each other so long and we've lost so many people we loved and cared about. And we a- were able to get through it <clears throat> because we took responsibility for our ourselves and for and for the knowledge that we were able to get from people like you and, and realize that we had a responsibility to save our own lives because we weren't getting answers. We didn't well, know what was safe. We didn't know. I mean, people were saying, you can't kiss somebody. You can't. I mean, we had to right. do it. And yeah. thank God we never, uh, I mean, I was, I'm negative. I've always been negative. Thank God. But, but in that process, so many people I love that really didn't know and didn't trust and didn't know how to know are gone yeah. and still are dying.
2: Still, yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. I felt because, again, I had knowledge. When people started coming in asking for interviews and the agents are saying, you know, just shut up, just shut up. And I said, But I know stuff. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know stuff that people don't know. I mean, there were points when I was interviewing doctors for TV specials where they'd say, you know more about this disease than the doctors do. And I said, yeah, all I focus on is this. The doctors have other things to worry about, too. I focus on this. I know. I read everything about this. And so, um, you know, so I felt a moral obligation, number one, to get word about about the disease, but number two, to take the stigma off of the gay community because of it. It just happened to enter this country uh, through a gay uh, community person and and got into the gay community first but it's it's not a gay disease it's just a disease like any yeah, other disease yeah I don't think right.
5: disease has come out like a oh, we're targeting this one no you know? I don't think it's that I mean it, what was it pink
2: <laughs> and,
1: and I never would have really made that I mean this might sound naive I mean I'm you know we're all around the same age but like I would have never really made that correlation that you would have lost jobs because you were so oh, yeah. oh yeah wow. I mean oh, yeah. that was uh, and also brave See, of Elizabeth so Taylor yeah.
5: Uh, you know, and then she put her. And she even said, "My career doesn't. I had my career. This is my career now." Wow. Yeah, and you I know, was in the middle I, I of mine, and it got, cut, it got cut. It got cut a little short because yeah. of it. <laughs> sure. But like you said, you, you're you you're enriched because of that. I mean, I felt have, a yeah. moral obligation. Absolutely.
2: I'm that kind of weirdo, Aquarian, always trying to save the world. That I felt a moral obligation. There was knowledge I had that might help people. And people and didn't did. want to listen to doctors, which was the weird thing we're seeing again with COVID, is people were very distrustful of doctors. But you have a sex symbol come on and say, honey, you got to change your behavior. <laughs> you know? uh-huh. yeah. And, you know, suddenly people would listen. Yeah. You know, and it was, uh, and, and and it, it, it got attention. I could get testimony before Congress. I could get PR for all kinds of different things. One friend of mine was, um, was I, I forget if it was People Magazine, was working for People Magazine on the West Coast and called me up and said, um, you know, we want to do, a, and this was right after that first award thing when Rock was still alive, we want to do Hollywood Fights AIDS. We want to do a big celebrity picture. Will you do it? And I said, sure. So he called me back a couple of weeks later and said, thank you. And I said, for what? And he said, Everybody turned us down until you said yes.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And I started seeing that as my whole mission in the 80s was to take the hits for everybody to get behind me and, and make support. it safe for everybody else to come talk about it because I was at the height of everything then and I was willing to take the hits and and wow. give cover to everybody yeah. to start talking. So you, you have to have a conversation.
5: Yeah. yeah. Let me ask you something this correlation, you know, we how we've how we've seen AIDS, the way it would mutate and then it would mm. change and it would, you know, and just as the minute you found one thing to treat, one strain of it, then it would, you know, turn into something else. Don't you see um, that same thing a little bit with COVID?
2: Well, they're viruses. Mm-hmm.
5: Um, so vi- it's a natural progression for them to do that.
2: Yes, some more than others, but viruses are not really alive. They're uh-huh. not like bacteria. It's why antibiotics don't work on viruses. Right. They're, they're just strings of DNA or RNA in the case of like AIDS. And, and, and little bits of them break off. They, they, they're not stable and they're not alive. So the only way they can replicate is to invade another cell and make that cell replicate for them. And so the, the way they make a living basically is by mutating. Little bits of them break off all the time because they're so, just strings of DNA and RNA. So, so they mutate a lot more. What does of them. kill them? What does kill them? You can't kill them, you can stop them from infecting. I mean, Mm -hmm. so far, I mean, maybe they'll come up with something that would actually kill them. But the main thing you do is vaccinations. And they found that with smallpox and with everything uh, is that if you if you vaccinate so and you can do a circle, that's what they do with smallpox. You get a smallpox patient and you vaccinate everybody around them so it doesn't spread. It doesn't go anywhere. That's how you stop Mm -hmm. them. Um and so, but with this new one coming up because it mutated so much it 's very different- you know there was a SARS point one back a few years back, and then the SARS point two mm-hmm. comes out, and uh, different than sars point one but they they mutate all the time, viruses mutate all the time
5: so just as simple as shes she gives this answer, just as simple as she <clears throat> explains that what, what would stop a person from that that 's so anti vaccination and anti this and to hear that and go, oh my God, that makes complete sense. Run to the nearest pharmacy and get your, or your doctor, or get your. Why is it so difficult for them to hear that? Because they don't listen. Well, they hear that. They don't they, listen. Their
4: fear is of the vaccination <coughs> and what it's doing to their right. body. And Here but that's go. mostly because all those people, those anti-vaxxers, saying it's doing this, don't understand that when you get a vaccination. It's not putting a live thing into your body. I don't think they've used live viruses and vaccinations and. No, th- they
2: used to use attenuated viruses, where they were weakened viruses. Weakened, you know? now they're not even
4: it. that.
2: No, I- and this thing is—it's mRNA. It's not even a virus. It, you know, that's what they're scared of. It's going to change their DNA, but it doesn't. You know, well, it's hard to explain that. Have to you somebody. seen half doesn't. the
5: people that are worried about that? They could use <laughs> some adjustments Seriously, in their DNA now, now. change. <laughs> now, sorry. Now. <laughs> <laughs> there was not a lifeguard of that gene pool.
2: Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> well, why do
4: you think people on this particular outbreak, which, by the way, was worse than any of the things we faced in my lifetime, obviously <clears throat> polio and things like that were worse. But why do you think suddenly there was all these people suddenly saying don't get a vaccination when they've been getting polio and smallpox and they, you know, they're getting like 40 vaccinations before they got to this point. And suddenly now they're like, oh, don't get a COVID vaccination. Well,
2: there was a growing anti-vax movement in the country before this. Right. And so they just played on this one. You know, they just built up. It, and it, what
4: is that? though? why is there a anti-vax?
2: You got me because I'm a science nerd, so I don't understand why people would be against vaccinations. Vaccinations have saved the world right. from smallpox and polio and all these other things. So I don't understand diphtheria. I mean, and I don't think of... very
5: few people ran from those when they were when they were to be. No, and
2: they were mandatory. You had to have your yeah. vaccine. And you oh, gave sure. your oh, child Ooh. immediately. Yeah. 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 Please. And um, measles. I mean, course, you know, now yeah. they're starting to have measles and polio outbreaks again because people are skipping their childhood vaccinations, which is terrible. And chicken pox. Well, I know a lot of people say, oh, I don't want the
4: government telling me what to do. But this isn't oh. really the government telling you what to do. These are medical professionals saying if you want to save yourself and the people around you and make sure your grandmother and everybody isn't dying, you need to get this vaccine. And suddenly, they're like, oh, you're telling me what to do. These are the same people telling you you can't have an abortion. So they don't want to be told what to do, but they want to tell you what you can't do. That's what well, confuses the hypocrisy
2: me. of the current political <laughs> spectrum. <laughs> kind but that's
1: of... what I think it too was. It was like tied to politics, even though it wasn't like people blurred the lines. I, I mean, to me, I think
2: they made it political. Like, yeah. It should never have it been political, have been. but it became political mainly because of Trump and some of his people. Even though Trump started helping create the vaccine, he was also denying that the virus, you know, it's going to be gone by April. You know, he was denying the malignancy of the virus, which we now know he knew about because of the Bob Woodward tapes, that he knew about it. Of course. It wasn't that he was unaware. And certainly the doctors that were advising him would have told him that. But it's also we now know that he wasn't unaware. But uh, because of politics, just didn't want it – Hoped it would go away, but with something like this, it's like with AIDS. When I was testifying before Congress, one uh, to get funding for AIDS, well, one, Reagan wanted that to go away too. Yeah, Let's yeah. Be real. One Congress
4: person, you know, a nicer guy generally, but he 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 didn't want to deal with it. He wanted it just to disappear. Yeah, because and, he didn't know how to deal with it
2: yeah well, talk talk to the politicians with the Black Death. You know, these things have a way of just not going away and right. decimating your population. Uh, but but when I was testifying before Congress, and one Congressman said, I'm oh, as you know, how many of my constituents in middle America, I forget which state, but one of the Midwestern, in Middle America who is straight and not a drug user, is ever going to get this disease? And I just looked at him and said, Sir, this is a disease.' It does not care about gender. It does not care about uh, your, if you're gay or straight. It doesn't care if you're married or unmarried. It doesn't care about your district line. Right. It yeah. will hit you right. because it's a disease, and it doesn't care. Yeah, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And that's the way it works. It's just a disease, but if you... You can take a lot of precautions and do research and try to, which they did, and, and came up with some good vaccines, you know. But, but, but the if short-sightedness it
4: been... of that is, sure, if your constituency is in Idaho and they all live two miles apart <clears throat> and, you know, they're all nice Christians who don't date and don't do whatever, right, they, they probably aren't going to get HIV, 99. The problem is, if you don't help the people in the city that aren't doing those things and are packed together, they are going to bring it to your constituents.
2: Well, the problem is, and people have sort of forgotten this speak now. speak to the Falwells. Early. We all know
4: that they, those Christians get around. Uh, yeah. Early. Well, not just Fallwell <laughs> Wait honey. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah.
2: Let's talk about match <laughs> but, uh, but, uh But early on, people forget now, the blood supply was contaminated. Correct. Every woman I knew in L.A. who had AIDS in the 80s got it from got contaminated it from blood. Right. You know, one, one friend of mine went in and um, was R.H. negative and they had to give her when she was having a baby and they had to give her blood. Uh, one friend, I forget what she had, some kind of stroke or something. And he, I, all, got, all the women I knew who had it in the it 80s got it from blood. contaminated blood. Wow. And they finally had to start clamping down on the blood supply and right. testing blood. But, you know, the Red Cross didn't want to do that for a long time. They take a big credit for it now, but they didn't want to do it for a long time. Well, who is Elizabeth the actor, Dull- uh,
5: Starsky and Hutch, his wife? Uh, well,
2: remember she. Uh, I, I, I knew Elizabeth. Elizabeth
5: Glazier. but we, that that, yeah. that brought a lot of awareness. Well, I time.
2: because I was an AIDS activist mm-hmm. and I was on the board of the Hollywood Women's Political Committee. And one of our staff people came to me and said, I know you do all this work on AIDS. And one of our members who you know uh has aids and really wants to talk to you and i said okay and will you meet her for lunch i said yes and i said who is it i can't tell you she'll tell you when she gets there and i didn't know if she was going to show up so in walks elizabeth Mm glazer yeah and uh, we sat down and had lunch and she said you know um my children have it and um and i i got it from contaminated blood when she was having one of the babies." babies and so um and so she said um I really want to make a statement. I want to go to Washington with you. I want to meet with all these people you're meeting with, and I really want to mistake, make a statement, uh, except that I don't want anybody to know my family has AIDS. And I said, Elizabeth, i got to tell you, D.C. makes the gossip mill <laughs> in Hollywood look right, tame. Right. If you go and meet with the people I'm meeting with, you, they're going to find out that your kids have AIDS.
3: Right, right. And she
2: said, oh, I can't do that to my family. And I said, I understand. That's why I'm warning you. I'm just warning you. And so she didn't. And she and Paul went to um, England, and one of the kids died. And the tabloid press got hold of the birth- death certificate and saw so it was AIDS. Ugh. And then, then, wow. then she decided to go ahead and go public. From that point. Yeah, and went ahead and, and went public, and was just brilliant and wonderful of her. And she was such yeah. a wonderful and made such a difference. Mm-hmm. Made such a difference. Did the other child uh, die?
4: Yes. Oh, mm-hmm. oh yeah. Wow. Really tragic. And then she died, of course. Yeah.
5: Well, we just need to go back to listening to the <coughs> Andrew sisters. <laughs> Patty, vaccine, and Laverne.
2: <laughs> boogie woogie. <boogie. laughs> right, well,
4: I want to return to the Roseanne thing for a minute. How long did you do Roseanne?
2: Oh, I, I forget. It was like three or four episodes. It was a story arc. They approached right. me with a story arc.
4: Uh, and I'm asking you this because you know she's got a special coming up.
2: Oh, she does. Is oh, I didn't know. Yeah.
4: Next week, I think. I think, <laughs> I think I so. <laughs> yeah. Somewhere, it's coming up right away. It's on Fox Sports Channel the sports channel yeah well you know she was a very pro-trump outspoken pro-trump oh i'm aware and <laughs> the first time i ever heard of Pizzagate
2: gate was in one of her tweets <laughs> and she
5: sang the star spangled banner at the ball game yeah, yeah.
3: remember yeah, that fiasco we fiesco. do
4: but um but interestingly enough and i worked with her we did i did um oh god what was that comic relief and some yeah, other yeah. things right And, you know, everybody blasted her and, you know, she lost her show and everything because they said she was racist. But I don't think she was racist. Did you think she was
2: racist on that show? Did you find her to be that personality? I didn't when I was working with her. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I, but, I mean, there was there were no black people on the show, so I don't know. I uh, mean, it was like 1992. We're going way right. right back. Um, yeah. oh, no. Well, there were no black
4: people on any shows then. Yeah. And I so- thought the bitch was white. Well, that's what really gave it away is that I think she really did think that she was white. Yeah. But, what, what but was also, it, uh, I just don't think that's her personality. We're, we're trying to get her on the podcast. Because I I think, listen, she said a lot of other things that probably she should have gotten blasted for. But I think that the one thing that canceled her and ended that was probably something that wasn't true, which is the danger of this cancel culture.
2: Well, uh, two things. I'm not for cancel culture. I just think, you know, that it's just gotten out of hand. Um, On the other hand, hand, I do think people should be held responsible for what they say. And I will say that the first time I ever heard of Pizzagate was a tweet from Roseanne. Before she got the new show back. So I could see the rabbit hole there. Right. And, um, and she did tweet a lot of ugly things. Yeah. Um, racist or not, ugly things. While she had a network show on the air and her platform, w- yeah, which anybody in this town would tell you, you know, might want to mitigate it a little bit <laughs> yeah. and just not say that much when you have a show on a major network, you know. Right. Um. And uh. And having some of the stuff she'd put out before she got her show back, uh, I was surprised they gave her her show her back. Show back yeah. But I guess they got some kind of promise from her she would not say some of those things but then she did yeah. and she didn't leave them much wiggle room there right. um, you know and, and it's sad because I think she's a really brilliant comedian yeah. and uh, and smart and interesting interesting to talk to Um I I just think she's one of the people that got into all the conspiracy theories, and I'm not sure what happens with you know, that. Where that
4: comes from, interestingly enough, it's one thing to the sort of look at them, theories. right? Yeah, but yeah. that
5: whole QAnon thing—that's a whole wow. Oh. That's
4: an outer space. Yeah. Well, you and I have a friend. You and I know somebody that you know. Oh, you'll that, tell me that later. Rabbit hole. I'm, yeah, a
5: couple of them.
4: Yeah.
1: Yeah, and I I know one of the housewives that has in that category oh. too. But I also she was wonder, at our okay, wedding. I, I mean, I'm yeah. friends with her. We'll I, I separate we'll that. But <laughs> I wonder also if Roseanne, because to your point, would have been canceled today. You know, like I mean, we're not out of cancel culture. I'm not a big no,
2: no. It of would be can culture. she got can well she got canceled, not the Roseanne. But like if she right. if she, if she had the gay today, thing on. Well, gay is so popular right now. I mean, gay and trans. I mean, all the casting is young gay trans I No, mean. I mean, like a, if she she's sent that same tweet, liberal today, in a funny way. she was very yeah. liberal back then. That's why it caught me off guard yeah. that she was tweeting QAnon stuff. Right. Early on. I mean, early in the QAnon thing. Early in it. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, but have I mean, if she sent. Yeah, like well, yeah. no, but I mean, if she sent that tweet like now, like <clears>
1: I <throat> I feel people get canceled less now and like late like december 2022 january 2023 i,
4: I do i feel well there's no room they you can
1: only cancel so many a day so i wonder <laughs> like if she sent that exact same tweet like tomorrow would they have fired her now like i now. don't remember what she said i thought the
3: bitch though was why
2: no, even though it's was only a defensive one yeah but
5: she said beautiful. something about that <laughs>
2: <laughs> she was tweeting a lot of she out said, there stuff, right? You know, yeah. I'm not sure
4: which one.
2: She said something well, it was about, about
4: that. She compared a black woman to a monkey. Uh, yeah, oh, yes. yeah. I mean, that's really. But she didn't know, she, she, didn't was know black. she was black.
5: But still, she compared a, a person to a monkey. Okay, <laughs> yeah, which
4: isn't a nice
5: thing to do. it's no not a nice thing to are. do. But it's
2: especially if you have a network show on the air. Especially, but <laughs> I, I mean, did
5: she compare her to to a snow chimp? That's white. Would you know what I mean? Yeah. Snow yeah. chimps
1: are white. Would you? And this has nothing to do with the tweet of Roseanne <laughs> being canceled. Just you know, Sandra Bernhard's been back on The Connors. Like, would you? Has your phone rang? Would you go back on? I mean, oh, they, I'd
2: go back. They haven't called. I they mean, should. very upfront. I mean, they haven't called, so. They show. I don't know. Well, let's but do that I, I love them when Why I was there. Why haven't you called? I love doing the yes. show when I was there. John Goodman was such a doll, and, and Laurie McCaff and everybody. I mean, it was a wonderful show. Um, Melissa, uh, not Melissa Gilbert. Um, um, Sarah, yeah. Sarah, Sarah huh? Gilbert uh, was just a doll. You know, has always been a, a sweetheart. I mean, I've done the View with her, and I mean, not the View, the Talk with her. Uh-huh. And uh, I'm just blah, blah, blah. Uh, and um, <laughs> tonight, but uh, but yeah, it was it was it was a lot of fun. You know, everybody was terrific. By the it's way,
4: great you and I did the talk together, and you know who was there. If you remember, Betty White, and you remember that cougar. Do you remember that? There was a tiger. We went outside. You're not like p- a middle-aged dress. Are yeah. of- <laughs> a- the- you meant a cougar. We went you're to talking about You're talking about
2: when I did when I did Hot in Cleveland,
4: maybe. No, you because they I brought I went a baby tiger. tiger-
2: Betty was so funny. I, I, Betty wanted me to play her on Hot in Cleveland. She, they were doing an episode where she's written a play, and she's written all of them for parts. And because one of the girls. She had a man player. And so she wanted me to play her. <laughs> and so I got over there. And Betty knows I do a lot of animal rescue work, because she's a big animal person. Oh, yeah. And so um, it was her 93rd birthday. And so the zoo sent over a tiger cub to visit. So Betty sent her assistant down to my dressing room. Oh, Morgan's going to love this. You know, come see the tiger. So I come out, and we're looking at the tiger cub. Which is, of course, the size of a German Shepherd, and uh, and just you know a lot of fun. And I'm taking pictures and take pictures with Betty, and we're taking. And pretty soon the whole you know the whole studio stops, and everybody's out there looking at the tiger cub. So anyway, so I said to Betty, "Do you care if I post some of these on Twitter?" And she says, "Oh yeah, you know." So I go down to my dressing room like ten minutes. heard assistants down there said, "Would you mind not posting those pictures on Twitter?" I said, "Oh sure, but why?" And she says, "Betty didn't have her makeup on." Oh. And I was like, <laughs> I couldn't tell. She's <laughs> 93 years old. Right. You know? <laughs>
4: like, shit, um, I have I, photos of that, Well, I,
2: really? I, I, Well, after she passed, I took one of the photos, and I did one of those apps, and I put makeup on it. <laughs> I was going to okay. say And I put know. lipstick on, and I posted it, you know, with makeup. <laughs> so, uh, in honor of Betty with was, the tiger oh, cub great. for her 93rd birthday. <laughs> it was just because of the
1: new makeup. Wow. Yeah, yeah, Hi. yeah. I he thought was it was so
2: cute. Are you sure that's child. not it? That well, might why be would it? I have been
4: with you for that?
2: I don't know. But that's, that's, but when, that I re- makes that's sense. when I remember having the but tiger cub. I was over
4: at the talk with you. She was there. And then we went outside, and, and there was this tiger there. And I have the photos. Um, maybe it was for Hot in Cleveland for promo. But maybe, except that I wasn't representing.
2: Maybe you came that. over. It's the same studio, right? Maybe you came over when we to were the out there set. with the Cubs. Hot in maybe, Cleveland was a great job. Oh, it was funny. I Betty, Betty was so wonderful. She was so wonderful. I had done a special with her, like one of those George Schlatter specials back yeah. in the 80s. <laughs> yeah. And we'd done a couple of things in between, but, you know, it'd been years. And I'd see her at events and stuff. But when I came on the set of Hot of Cleveland, I'm thinking, you know, she's 93. Is she going to remember me? You know, and, and she came over. Oh, Morgan, I'm so glad you're playing me. I'm so glad we get to work together again. And I mean, you know, she was just always like that. She was just, always like just that. Just lovely. You know where I
4: worked with her a lot? I said, Super password. Oh, uh-huh. and I was a cue card guy. Oh my god! Oh wow! She was and so funny on that. She was great on that, and I used to I bring my cages. little ferret with me, whose name was <laughs> Farah.
3: Yeah. And
4: so while we were shooting, you know, I didn't didn't want the they didn't really want the animal there and its cage. Not that she was loud, but they, but she let she was I would put her in my dressing room, and she would run around her dressing room and poop in the shower and stuff. She's like, ah, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> but um. Yeah, in fact, uh-huh. I remember they showed Pharaoh on TV once. Yeah. Because everybody oh. was playing with his animal all the time. And so what was his name that used to host that that died? Burt Convey? Burt Convey. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he said, oh, bring Farrah up here. Let's show the
2: audience what everybody's <laughs> talking about. I have that
4: video, too. I should that's post that. True. Yeah. That's- oh, yeah, <laughs> do.
2: I've got to find you on Twitter. Are you on Instagram, too?
4: I am. Yeah. I think it's the company.
2: Oh, okay, because I know Joey and I follow each other on Instagram. Yeah,
4: on Twitter and Instagram, I think they're both renaissance Mm -hmm. accounts. Oh, okay. Because I forget sometimes, and I post things on there, and then I'll hear from a client going, you posted something personal on your Twitter. And I was like, oh, yeah, and I go on every month. Oh, what a sin. Well, (laughs) no, because it's a
5: personal sort of opinion on my company website. Oh, okay. (laughs) What was the one you did? uh, Was it Night of 100 Stars? Uh Uh-huh. Well I, we did a couple of them. yeah but I had dinner with Aunt Jillian recently.
2: Oh, wow. how is she? She's great. I love she and her her. husband. What a sweetie. Yeah,
5: they're so sweet. yeah she just became um, a great grandma.
2: Oh I think? my God
5: I' yeah, getting so the old moon. oh so I will give her the, my I love give the christen- her my love the, uh, christening uh, party for her Oh uh. so it was really sweet yeah I will I will Yeah, I, I sweet lady she's sweet lady
2: yeah yeah we all did that night of hundred stars we did the first one was kind of the best one because everybody was still alive right. so you went in the green room and it was like jimmy cagney in a wheelchair uh-huh. and Eth- wow. ethel merman and yeah. carol channing mm-hmm. you know the broadway babes over on one side yep. and cynthia grayson yeah I mean, yeah I mean, yeah Laura, uh, eliza minnelli yeah. and and pacino and de niro yeah, were there yeah, it was and, great. Lee Strasberg died like two days later. They thought from making him kick in a chorus line. <laughs> right. Leonard Nimoy and all of them in a chorus line. You know, I mean, and, but you know, backstage it was just so fun because you met everybody. I mean, uh-huh. I got to meet Rosa Parks, and I was oh, dinner wow. partners with Joe DiMaggio and, and yeah, Muhammad and Ali. Yeah, we were all sharing
4: dressing rooms too, right? Yeah, yeah, we you were all like sharing Eight women to a dressing room.
2: Well, we had the Rockettes' dressing room. Uh-huh. It was at Radio City, mm-hmm. so it was not just eight women. I mean, right. it was monster women. Um, I mean, I think a couple of people got a I real mean, it dressing was Literally
5: a hundred stars or yeah. a thousand yeah, of stars I or whatever. It. It was, I remember yeah. they counted them. I remember the yeah. countdown. Yeah,
3: yeah.
5: And they were wearing the designer, you know, yeah. the designer thing, and they would show the designer and the person. You know, yeah. oh yes. on, so Why uh, they haven't the done screen. another
4: one of those
1: actually? Yeah, should, it was. Like, that was like Battle of the Network Stars. They, the bring, they a try to bring Night of that. Eight Stars. <laughs> I mean, it was of
2: well, it was fun because I mean, backstage. I mean, I met John Updike. I met Dr. Seuss. I, you know, oh, I met wow. all these different. They had Sidney Lumet. All these directors. It was people from every avenue. Every yeah, Rosa event. Parks, right. this tiny little lady. I mean, I got to meet. I got to meet fabulous people mm-hmm. uh, back there. And Elizabeth Taylor's there. Mickey Rooney. It's like everybody from yeah. the old Hollywood, New Ann Hollywood. Miller. Yeah, and Miller. I mean, it was like yeah. it was hysterical. I just remember I remember we were doing a rehearsal in the in the Rockets rehearsal hall and I looked across and I this stunning lady and I'm like 32 at the time and she was older uh not old but older and I thought that's what I want to look like at that age and you know with this kind of sleek back hair and big eyes and and everything and it was Claudia Cardinali. and I was oh, like wow. oh my god she, she was so, so gorgeous but aging so beautifully mm-hmm, i thought that's right. how i want to be when i'm getting older is yeah. you know sleek and elegant The <laughs> you know who maintained
5: for, forever too was fran jeffries do you remember her oh yeah yeah
2: she oh yeah i used to see her so, around I was, town
5: i sat next to her on a plane coming from new york <clears throat> and she was that she was tall statues absolutely beautiful and so poised huh. and and elegant and you know dressed perfectly on the plane and i'm sitting right next to her going Okay, that's how it's done.
2: Yeah, okay. yeah.
5: I'm very young. Who is she?
1: Yeah,
2: I don't know who she is either. She was an
5: actress, Anne Jeffries. She was Topper.
2: She was on Topper, topper. when I was a little the kid. The TV show. The TV show. Oh, okay. she was okay. the goat. She played Marion. Right. Okay. She but she's done ghost. a
5: lot of other movies and TV things too. Yeah,
2: but that was, was kind of that was oh, where yeah. she
5: was and really, just lovely. Was very I, young I,
2: I was at events. I was school. young I was
5: too, but to I mean, I was very you know, young. why do people think it has to be contemporary for you to know something that was? Yeah. Before well, that's
2: you, the
4: she thing. was such a huge Stupid. star. I was like, I hadn't seen I her movies. Don't, but well, I just do Well, it's like. Talker. Oh well. Oh I mean, well. When I lived well. In New, when
2: I lived in New York, I would go for whenever I had a day off. I would go for they had the old theater cinemas then and you Mm -hmm. could go in and a lot of those movies were shorter too so you could go in and see a double or triple bill of marlena dietrich or fred astaire and ginger or whatever you know and so i just lived at all the old movies do you remember
5: the silent movie theater on fairfax yeah 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 Yeah, philip and i used to go there burned down didn't it i think so Yeah. yeah But, I mean, there are things that we should know. I mean, we live in Hollywood. It's part of our culture. And, and we should do this in the world. We should never be like, well, that was before my time. That's like, you know, you want to be a priest and you go to the seminary and they say, they talk about Christ and you go, well, uh, that was before my time. Yeah. So who do you <laughs> want to talk about, Mary? Okay, well, we it's a, combat, h- yeah. it's a history here of here your industry, <laughs> no, I huh? and,
2: and that's what I see a lot with some of the young kids now is that, you know, I don't care about anything, you know, the yeah, 80s are before... ancient, um, you know, whereas I, know. I studied all of these things, and that's how I learned to do close-ups and how I learned to do everything. I was doing a series down in San Diego uh, a few years ago, and, and they had a lot of young kids on it. And they were all kind of not wanting to know anything about any of it. But one kid was very bright. And, um, and they would go back and forth on the train to go to auditions in L.A. And it was a long series. We were shooting for months. And so one of the kids came back from an audition one day. And he says, you know, Morgan, I know you know this stuff. He says, I met with the director today. And he said something to me. And I don't know what it means. And I bet you do. And he said, it was a Kurosawa moment. What does that mean? (laughs) I said, have you ever heard of Kurosawa? And and he (laughs) says, uh, no. And I said, I think he was referring to Rashomon. And he says, yes, Rashomon. He said Rashomon. And a Kurosawa moment. And I said, okay, here... I'm going to give you a list of films that you need to see mm-hmm. uh, yeah. to, if you're going to know the history of this industry. And you know, and I'm going to make a list, and I'm going to tell you each movie why you should see it. What are the great lines in it? What was the cinematic yep. invention wow. in it? What made a difference in it? You know, why it worked, why it didn't work. Um, and I'm just going to give you a list: some comedies, some dramas. And explain to you, and here's Kurosawa, and he did, you know, A Seven Samurai, which then they made into Magnificent Seven, Mm. and, you know, kind of stole stole everything for Clint Eastwood, Spaghetti Mm -hmm. Westerns, you know, but, um, and, you know, so I'm explaining everything to him, but it was kind of mind-boggling to me that a lot of the kids just don't have any, I love one, I was doing one series, and I won't mention what series it was, because you'd know who it is. But a younger <laughs> a younger actress, I, I, do, just my own, mime it. I do my yeah. own makeup, and so I come in early. And, you know, the makeup lady has to come anyway. So we, we would sit down there and talk about movies, and she'd worked on a lot of movies, and we'd talk about our favorite. So we're down there talking about our favorite movies one day in my little corner, and this actress from the show comes on, and she's sitting at the other end. I don't even know how she can hear us down there. And she just says, I don't care about any of those old movies. She says, that Humphrey Bogart I don't know anybody from your generation. What? (laughs) And I said, honey, you know, Humphrey Humphrey Bogart died when I was about five. He's not my generation. (laughs) But if you're going to be in the movie industry, you should know the history of the movies and the great movies. Casablanca, my favorite movie, is a perfect movie quotable lines, interesting characters, not a wasted moment, not a wasted frame. You'll cry at the end. If you're not, you're not human. And, you know, (laughs) and it's a perfect movie. And you should see some of these movies to learn what went before, how they invented a close-up, how they decided to do it this Mm -hmm. way. I mean, like, one of the things I I told... um, The kid to to watch was a movie called Niagara. And I, and I said Niagara and, you know, great, you know, big breakthrough part for Marilyn Monroe. And the director set up a camera and he delineated this woman's character from a high vaulted point, looking down, having her walk across the bridge. And she knew, you knew she was a loose woman by that long walk. Uh, No dialogue, just a long walk. And that's what you can do with no dialogue, but a perfect shot. And you know, these are the things that make movies work. And if you're gonna work in the movie business, you should know how i mean i learned doing close up watching marlena dietrich <laughs> mm-hmm. and you know it's it interesting took, because it took even... more than one man to change my name to shanghai lily <laughs> <laughs> shanghai wuwe <we. laughs> shanghai lily shanghai, we, we.
5: but andrew would not watch d- never watched a black and white movie w- before we met and then now he adore he, he sees the shadows and he sees the art that goes into that and that comes out. Totally of that.
2: different way to shoot in black and white thing. than color. Totally. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah.
5: And it tell it's a story within a story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so much behind all of that, you know, but not to dog anybody or anything or whatever. Oh, but, go ahead. But in a world that we live you? in, there's so little <laughs> attention span. Yeah. And that's what we have to get back. We have to see what's beyond that so we could really learn something and then. Teach that accordingly, but
2: oh yeah, it's like. back in the day, you know, in the early '80s, um, I, I one of my like my third job out in LA was uh, uh, doing a, a series with uh, Robert Wagner, and and then I'd done a mini series with Natalie Wood, and so I'm over at Chasen's one night having dinner, and RJ and Natalie are there, and they they RJ comes over to the table and says, Morgan. We have a friend at the table who really wants to meet you. Big fan. Could you come to the table? And so I said, oh, sure, you know. I go over, and it's, my God, it's Fred Astaire. Fred Astaire (laughs) wanted to meet me. I'm just in heaven. (laughs) Fred Astaire. You should have have sang it. If he wants to meet me, get his
5: ass up to go over to
2: my table. Well, he's like 80 years (laughs) old by then. But then when you found out who it was,
5: you would have been embarrassed. She's in heaven.
1: (laughs) But also, like, what a gift. (laughs) You know, that... You're doing all this for a young actor. That's where that's where my mind goes. Like, I mean, to say you're gonna give them a list and why you should watch the movies, like that's just to me, like, that you're like handing them a gift.
2: Well, I mean, I had mentors. You know, I started in the theater when I was ten. My sister and I had a long talk Sunday night. We were just talking about our childhood days in the theater, and the people who helped us. We were so fortunate. I mean, that's what we're talking about. We were so fortunate to work with brilliant, talented Mm -hmm. people at a theater in Dallas that taught us so much and mentored us and really taught you everything. Is from... that the
5: theater we spoke about, the Ruta? No, no. that's Casa, Casa this Mignana. is Theater Three in oh, Dallas. The... Okay. We grew
2: up at, the... I mean, I worked there too, but the, the theater we spent a lot of our childhood in, oh, doing show it. after show, yeah. was this theater and um, and the people who mentored us. And it was everything from directing you and making you think about things to word pronunciation to just being willing to cast you uh, mm-hmm. wow. in something and give you a shot. But also, because we worked at that theater, I mean, we all did, I mean, I did Sound and Lights for The Tempest when I'm like 16, you know, and, I, and we did props, we did costumes. And to this day, when I'm on movie sets, you know, the costume people say, I love you. You hang up all your clothes when you leave. I don't walk into the dressing room and find all the clothes. I said, I did, I did costumes. <laughs> I never leave it for you to do. You know, oh, yeah. the prop people, I love you. You never walk up with the props. I said, I have done props. I know what it's like to try to find that gun when nobody's, you know. Yeah, <laughs> then yeah. How are we going to kill the guy on stage when nobody can find the gun? <laughs> you yep. know.
5: And it's also interesting, too. Uh, a good actor very spends very little time in their trailer. They like to be present. I want to watch... Yeah. The performance of other actors. I want to see how things, I want to sit behind the camera for a little bit and, and see what that looks like and what that sounds like. And, you know, and that, how you can tell the difference. It's all in the seasoning, you know? And plus, I had a really brilliant dad who taught me these things and, and mm-hmm. educated and gave us, early on, taught us these things and played songs and watched movies and, and read plays to us and things. So you had a familiarity. I feel That's bad important. for people that just don't have any interest in knowing, but they're in this business. You know, that's like being a, a pilot, you know, wanting to fly a plane and then not taking a lesson or not knowing your cockpit. Yeah. yeah. And, I'm not know, sure. I'm not flying with you. I'm not sure so much it's the business as it is our world at the moment
4: because... Because
5: we're in a world of entitlement. I just want to be this. I can be this. You can't tell me I can't, well, but you not have about no preparation. That, they don't have... Their
4: parents no do teach them things that they might, you know, we're... we're, we're we're taking on a client who's known for teaching you simple things. How do you put, uh, you know, how do you put uh, a nail in the wall so that you, how do you find the stud that you're going to hang, right? It's simple things. Well, I never thought about, I mean, my father, as we grew up was just, this is the things you had to learn. Yeah. But I'm surprised when I run into my, they're like, how do you do that? Why, how, how? It's like, how could you not know this simple thing? But their parents didn't teach them anything. And we have a
5: generation of kids now whose parents didn't teach them anything. Anything. Well, I mean, We nothing. spoke about this when I was in New York last time, how children don't know how to tell time. They don't know what a watch is.
2: What? No, they It'll, can't, tell, they can't tell time on a watch. On a watch. Why? Because
1: they're used Nobody to has digital. digital. Because oh, they never original. saw that. that. What are those things? <clears throat> I mean, that was crazy. But, I mean, you, you know, we did talk about that. You would just think, like, if you're on a movie set, and, you know, you would say... This is hopefully not my last movie set. I want to observe every single thing and of Oh, no. Out of here the, they don't it. want to see anything.
2: They go to the dressing rooms. Or even if they're sitting on the set, they're just texting and uh, they don't pay any attention. No, that's that crazy. was, I, I missed that because it used to and be when I got them. out here, you made friends on sets. Yeah. Right. You talked between scenes. Um, You know, you would sit around and talk and get to know people sure. and you made friends. And now some of the young people, you know, I leave the set and I bet they don't know my name. You know? I'm an
5: influencer. Yeah.
2: <laughs> what?
3: <laughs> uh, what? <laughs> That's Joey's Valley. <laughs> no, 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 it's I'm like sorry.
5: they, you know, they all come, they call them influencers. Oh, influencers. But what, what are you influencing? influenza. Influenza. No. <laughs> yeah. What are you influencing? You don't know anything.
4: <laughs> right. You know, what?
5: Anyway. what um What are you doing now?
4: Speaking of work. Um. Anything?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I did the play earlier this uh, last year. About uh, last year, last spring, and Big then hit big success we had a, it was a big hit yeah. yeah I did it in Kansas City and we were it was very popular we had great fun
4: was that one of those murder murder no mystery things? it was something
2: no. called don't dress for dinner by the same guy who wrote Boeing Boeing mm. and yeah. so it's a farce it's right. a farce. and I got to tell you I mean I've, I've been in the theater since I was 10 and I've done a lot of comedy but farce is hard it's just so fast you can't think about anything <laughs> and it's so fast and we had a really wonderful director, but uh, I mean, it's just you don't—you can't slide a knife between those lines, and so uh, you know you just have to be thinking ahead all the time. But you also have to really listen to what they're saying. But you have to be thinking ahead, and it's—it's it's exhausting to do. But um, about about four days after we opened because everybody there's so many lines and they're redundant lines so you got lost you know you repeating did i just say that oh studying Uh,
3: must just oh it's a nightmare
2: it's a nightmare to learn all these lines because and a lot of them are what huh what you know and they've got to uh, go at a certain rhythm and keep it all going but they're not real lines you know it's just interruptions and about three days after we opened, i had a cast meeting and i said guys i figured this out (laughs) it's not the line other than a few key plot points. It's the rhythm. It's the rhythm. It's ba boop ba boop ba boop boop So if you can't think of the line, just say what. Or uh. Just say something. Say anything. Just there's a lot of what's in this place. So just beat. say what. And wow. we will know you're up and we will all jump on it. <laughs> and we'll we'll get it. And it, and I, one by one everybody in the cast came in and said, You saved me, you saved me because that's it. It's the rhythm. It's not really the lines. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's... As long That's as you keep the rhythm going, you're floating. As soon as the rhythm stops, you're sinking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well,
5: what was the old improv, always yes. Yeah. Always yeah. yes. Never yeah. no, never no, because yeah. it, no stops it. Yeah, 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 yeah.
2: So as long as you keep it going, you're okay.
1: So that rule, yeah.
2: Speaking of comedy
1: and farce, what was it like working on Friends?
2: You know, it was great fun. Um, when they called and asked me to do Chandler's Mom, the show was not a big hit yet. But I had seen it, uh, which I don't see everything, but I had seen it a few times. And I thought um, the kids were really good individually, but really good ensemble work. It's two different talents. Mm -hmm. And I thought show had great potential. I was right. And so, uh, so I said yes. And then several people said, oh, you know, you're too young to play that guy's mother and, you know, you shouldn't do that. And I said, you know, you got to make that transition at some point, you know, I might as well. And I think the show has potential. So I did it and they promoted it very heavily on me. And I, the two Matthews, I ran into them in a store and out for, they were out at luncheon and said, you got us in the top five. You got us in the top five. And I thought, oh, great. I'll be back next week, you know, and three years before I come back, <laughs> you know, but but it was great fun because great writing. And um, a lot of times with shows, we've all been around this business a long time. If you're the guest star, you don't get great lines. You get great setups you get for the setups. star, right? But with friends. They wrote great lines for the guest stars too, and so it was That's always generous. Yeah, it yeah. was always yeah. fun to do. You always knew you'd have something good to say and fun to do, and and the kids were fun and smart and you know it was and it was great fun. And then of course it ballooned, yeah. you know. So did
5: you ma- did you happen to read Matthew Perry's book? No, I haven't read it. Through? Yeah, huge hit. Yeah, yeah, huge
2: hit. Yeah, I'm oh, oh, good. You went through a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was it was funny because after. Somebody had told me, you know, you're too young to play that guy's mother. And the first day on the set, Matthew came over to me and said, oh, you won't remember me. But my father is John Bennett Perry, and he played the sheriff on Falcon Crest and on Flamingo Road. And I used to visit the set with him when I was nine. (laughs) I'm like, oh, God, I guess I could be this kid's mother.
1: (laughs) I mean, listen, you got to kiss (laughs) David Schwimmer. I mean, you know.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know.
1: Any good the kiss? lovely lovely kiss. lovely, <laughs> lovely. So it, does tongue or no tongue? yeah does it rate up there with all your was Was it one of your best kisses on screen
2: well probably not one of the best because we got interrupted uh, but yeah i think at first they were going to have us get caught in bed together and chickened out oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> a little a little too early for that do uh, you have a, a best screen kiss no, I've been so fortunate to work with several men who are very good kissers, very good okay, well, uh, and that's a couple good. who were not. But uh, <laughs> you know, but uh, but I don't have really a best. Yeah. But I've I've been very fortunate in the people I've gotten to work with, and yeah. and even get to know because I do a lot of charity work, even through the charity stuff. And um, you know, I've been I've been very fortunate with mm-hmm. the people I've gotten to work with, and you know, I I, I thank the God up there for for. Uh, having a career where I've actually gotten to work with legends that I grew up walking watching Betty Davis, you know, yeah. Vincent price. I mean, I got to work with all these wonderful people Fernando Lamas and uh, you know and Jane Wyman my god and and um, Cesar Romero and mm-hmm. of course being an old movie buff my first day on, on with Cesar Romero. I said Cesar what was it like to work with Marlena Dietrich on Devil Is a Woman in 1933? <laughs> and that's the great thing about the old stars—they all they're great raconteurs. tours right. I yes. mean, Vincent yeah. Price is one of the funniest storytellers in the history of the world, and um, and his wife Coral Brown, oh, his was wife also is amazing. Yeah, just hysterical. And Roddy McDowell used to always have these dinner parties at his house that was sort of famous, where they actually took his his. Uh, uh, coat room closet, I mean, his, uh, his powder room, I guess, and put it in the Hollywood Museum. Uh, but it, you never knew who would be there. I mean, it's like one night I came in, I was having up my coat, and I hear this, I want to meet Morgan Fairchild. I hear Morgan Fairchild's coming. I like all her aides work. Who is it? And Lauren Bacall comes around the corner, you know. Man. And you just get to meet these wonderful people and have wonderful conversations, and they had lives, and they read they're yeah. red, and you you could talk yeah, to they them. they don't
5: make them like that anymore. You
2: could no. talk yeah. to them about yeah. all kinds of things and, they had humor. and great stories. Yeah, and great,
5: great storytellers. Great I
2: stories. wish
4: she was around. she'd be an? She, she, I, I adored her, as you know. People thought she was tough. Is the word I would use? Yes. Oh,
2: I loved her.
4: And <coughs> um, you know, when I would tell people, I'm having lunch with Lauren Bacall, Betty Bacall, if you were her friend. <coughs> and oh, she's terrible. She's a this. She's a that. I adored
2: her. <laughs> I adored her.
4: Huh. I loved her. You know, she was very blunt. Yeah, she said it as she saw it, mm-hmm. and she didn't pull any punches. And she would just keep me in hysterics. I would have huh. tears rolling down my cheeks because just watching her talk to people, and you know, she would tell them right to their face what she was thinking.
2: Yeah,
3: you know, there's nothing
4: well, better than that. Well, That's very
2: New
1: York of her. But the yeah. uh, the
2: old stars, you know, they were great. Talkers and storytellers, and they had things to tell stories about because they weren't on text all the time. They actually lived. Well, and they (laughs) had those big
4: parties. She and Humphrey Bogart, you know, they'd have all those barbecues down at the beach, and everybody who was anybody was there. So they, you know, it was like real living. They just happened to be hanging out with people that everyone was watching on the movie screen.
2: Yeah, yeah, but I, but I, I just treasure. Those times when I first got out here, you know, I'd be at, at some gala dinner between Stuart Granger and Jimmy Stewart. You know, and Betty Davis is at the table and everywhere, you know, and uh, Olivia de Havilland. And, you know, I, yep. I met just, Olivia yeah. de Havilland. Yeah, it Go was ahead. just great to get to talk her. to them yeah. and find out, you know, and most of them were really good storytellers. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I mean, God, Esther Williams was hysterical. I'm sure you've heard some of her stories. Mm-hmm. She was hysterical.
5: Ginger Rogers. I met her, too. She was
2: great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes,
5: that's, yeah, that's, I wouldn't trade that for anything. Those are great,
1: incredible experiences. Yeah. Is, is there an actor or actress that you would just love to... I mean, you've worked with everyone, but like that you would just love to work with that you haven't worked with? Could be like a friend, someone whose work you really admire. I'm just so You curious. know, there's a
2: lot of people I really admire... Um, I'm trying to think who's working now that you know isn't retired uh, that um, uh, that I'd like to work with, and I'm sure something will come to me. Of course, since you just said that, nothing's coming yeah. to me. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, I wake up thinking. like shit. Yeah. I have to
4: do this. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Have you got a pick for the Oscars mm. for Best Picture?
2: No, have you?
4: No, I haven't really picked. Well, no, because the ones that people like, I didn't really like very oh, much. Huh. No, really.
2: I thought Some it was of the a ones that they've year. chosen,
5: I was like. Really, this
4: I couldn't
2: deal with that one.
5: Real What's, real that real one? Real. What's that one that ran around? Oh. Who the Asian?
2: Everything. Everything. everything everybody. And everything. And, everything I and Nothing. And it. I'm confused.
4: No, we didn't you love know, that yeah, either. I, I, I didn't and Tar, remember. I haven't seen. But the other one that they all loved is that something of Inisharan. You know the boys of Banshees. The, yeah, that's it, the Banshees. Of that. Have you seen it?
2: Uh. Uh-uh. Uh. I haven't it, seen. I don't it go to, I, because of COVID. I haven't been out at the theaters. I think you know, this, so. this is
4: the year where oh. you give it to something like Maverick, Top Gun. It was such a feel-good movie and made massive amounts of money. It was so well-made. Yeah, was it a big <clears throat> commercial movie? Yeah, but so it, it was a. It took best you away for a, a, that's a minute, okay. and that's, yeah. isn't that what movies were made yeah. for? It feels to, to me like away. that's the best
5: picture really? for I that mean, year. You know, uh, do you want to go watch a a war movie in the middle of a war? No, I mean. You know, love well, Casablanca. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's different. I mean, you know that that was a story, and that yeah, was a story yeah. being told with romance and you know surprise, and I mean, God, you can't. I mean, we just what did we watch? The uh, we watched Gone with the Wind not too long ago, just because we have the big screen at home, you know, the mm-hmm. outdoor yeah. theater, and we set it up, and I mean, Andrew was just like, you know, you just couldn't believe it. It was just so amazing, it's and the grand. Story. That's a great movie, and the, movies. Movies are and grand. the music yeah. and. Everything you just come away like, whoa! That was a good one. If you, you don't think of anything else, you are immersed. Yeah. How, how how often are you know are you not getting up to go get popcorn now? Yeah. You know, or go to the bathroom, or on your phone. That that kills me. But No, Oh no,
2: I I'm hate bad. that. I, I
1: watch a lot of TV, and I do watch TV for this podcast. So it's like I, I'm really bad with movies. Like I don't see you, a lot of.
5: Movies. You know what? Do yourself a favor and take it from us, and yeah. and no, let Morgan you. say it to you directly. Go watch movies and really go back and see what they were made for. Yeah. Because you'll appreciate so much more. Everything. Yeah. Because it will it'll tell you things about you that you never even knew that you had going on with you. That's how well they wow. were made. And that's how, you know, they came from such a, such a different place. So.
2: Well, that's fun. I mean, yeah. like you asked about actors. I mean, I would like to work with Colin Farrell. I've always liked his work. And mm. I would have loved to work with Alan Rickman. I just adored Alan oh, Rickman and in everything he ever did. I mean, I started watching oh, Harry Alan's Potter movies baby. to see Alan Rickman. <laughs> 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 so, and he's brilliant in that, you know. But they had so many brilliant actors in the Harry Potter things; it was yeah, really fun, yeah. you know. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, there's there's always new and wonderful people coming around. Yep, um, they keep coming. Yeah, and. That's what keeps this town alive. Exactly. that, sure <laughs> that <is>. young blood. <laughs> exactly. All right,
4: before we wrap it up, is there anything you want to say or anything you would want you want to talk about or promote? Come on, anything um, you want well, to I, promote? I've got I,
2: I did a little movie called The Nana Project with Mercedes Rule. Uh, and then and I I'm, I'm not sure what's coming out, but it's coming out. And then I did something on a Boots Riley show uh, series that's coming out. Uh, with Walton Goggins um, uh, called uh, I'm a Virgo. And I'm not sure when it's coming out either. But so let there me push you're... those. There you we'll go. look out for those. We'll yes, indeed. Yeah.
4: We'll review them in our first segment. Oh, no. Yes. No, you guys are
2: too mean. <laughs> no, You'll pick no, everything
3: No, get out of here. <laughs> We're not mean at all. No. <laughs> No,
5: we talk about honesty and saying what's on our mind yes we do but we always leave room for our friends yeah (laughs) oh and Walton
2: Walton Goggins I was really excited to work with Walton Goggins I love his work you know, and uh, you know, so there's I, I, a lot. Sometimes I will take parts because of the actors. Right. Um, you know, like I took one movie in Germany in the late '80s because I wanted to work with an actor named Armin mueller who I knew from some of his Fassbender work. And, oh, and he came Bender, over, and he course. came over, and got nominated for stuff and everything. Did Avalon and mm-hmm. and different things, and um, and well, what was that first uh, Tom Hanks with the Da Vinci Spot. Code? Mm. He was oh, yeah. in one of those. You mm-hmm. know, and uh, you know, it's. Um, you you just see people that you would like to work with, right? Yeah. Like I was so thrilled to—I took the pilot of Hotel to have scenes with Betty Davis. You know, I mean, you do make those decisions sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. exactly. Wow,
4: right. David, final question. No, final I mean, question.
1: we have covered a lot. Is there—I mean, well, I guess—is there anything in this business you haven't done? You know, that you wants to want to do.
2: I can do more movies, or, you know, they're doing so many interesting things on streaming now. I'd like to do more of that um, because they're, they're, the movie business has moved more into. Superheroes and yeah, and yeah, repeat right, Whereas yeah. streaming seems to be The more innovative kind of thing uh-huh, The cable so has networks yeah, So I'd like to yeah, get, get on something like that That's kind of breakthrough uh, You know, it's, I, I just like to do things That are iconoclastic mm-hmm. It's like it's like uh, back in the day One of my first jobs when I came out here Was Happy Days and, um, and they were so wonderful Everybody was so wonderful And so whenever I was on the Paramount lot I would go over and visit the Happy Days set And say hi And so one day I'm over there And Henry says, do you have to leave? We have this great guest star. Do you want, can you stay? And I said, Sure, you know. So I stayed all afternoon to watch this kid work and just to tell him he was a genius. And so like nine months later I get a call from my agent, you know, it's like, Well, I have good news and bad news. What's the good news? Well, you got the T V movie you wanted. Oh, great, what's the bad news? Oh God, you know, Gary Marshall has this new show and it's all under wraps and nobody knows anything about it. And they, you know, they, they don't want to give you a contract. Uh, They want you to be recurring. They only want to pay you top of show, and you're making so much more money than that now, and we just think you should pass on it. And I said, well, what's the name of it? He said, it's called Mork and Mindy. (laughs) And I said, that's Robin Williams' show. He says, who's Robin Williams? I Um. said, (laughs) honey. Robin Williams is a genius <laughs> don't tell belts. Gary I'd work for free to work with Robin Williams and, and so did. I said I want to do it I want to do it and so I you know I had this recurring character the first year yeah. of and Mindy*. Uh-huh. but when I got there on the set like the first day we had a read-through and I, I, went to see the, I went to see the taping because the show wasn't on the air yet. I went to see the taping because I'd seen him do the Mort character on Happy Days. And so I, I knew the Mort character, but I, I went to the taping of the show before mine so I could see the character relations and yeah. stuff being actor, you know. And so, and I could see Robin with all his Topanga Canyon friends in the commissary, you know, with the purple mohawks and everything pierced in 1978, <laughs> you know, and looking at me and thinking, oh God, what did they send me? Miss White Bread America, you know. But, uh, but I grew up in the theater. So the next day... We get up, you know, we have a table read, and, and that's where everybody just sits around the table and reads the script. And you see where the laughs are. And so, and the script was very funny, and so then we get up and start blocking. So I start, I see what every what everybody does. They start with the script and then Robin starts riffing and Robin just goes and everybody stands back and watches Robin go. And when Robin starts kind of running out of material, which Robin will never admit he's running out of material, the director says, Let's get back to the script. And so, you know, so I get up to start blocking with him and and we start off and he and he throws something out and I throw something out. And he looks at me and he throws something in, I throw something out. he throws something out. Throw I throw it. And he comes over and grabs me and holds me in there and says, Mama, you're one of me. <laughs> <You know? laughs> because I grew up in the theater and I could improvise with him. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of the, wow. the like funny the energy, stuff, you know, feed. best of Mork and Mindy from that first year is like a lot of it's just stuff we improvised and stuff. So it's always like you're always looking for those things where you feel... Uh, that you're accomplishing something for you as an artist, or, uh, a schmaltzy artist, but you know, but to do something iconoclastic that hasn't been done before, mm-hmm. that's going to catch people off guard. And something that reminds right.
5: you of what, why you got in the business to begin with.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, thank yeah. you for being well, here today. For yes, me. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you. It was so much me. fun as
3: always,
1: <laughs> and it's so good to see you oh, like this. I miss you. you.
2: I miss you too. It's so good to see so you. We'll do
1: dinner.